What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and as you guys know, I haven't been as active recently. The season wrapped up, but now we are pretty much back full throttle. The combine is happening, or it just happened. And the reason I haven't been as active making videos is because I've been doing a whole gang of things behind the scenes, but one of them has been dedicating a ton of time to my prospect models. Now, it really wouldn't help you guys a ton if I just kind of like reference this like weird prospect model that I kind of talk about as gospel and not really explain to you guys what's going on. Now, we did a video like this last year where I talked through all of my models. We're going to kind of do that again here, but a little bit more of an accelerated version. And then afterwards, we're going to talk through my top five wide receivers for this class. We're going to talk through my wide receiver prospect model, how it works, what's changed. Then we're going to go through my top five rookie wide receivers for 2023 and also see the comps my model spits out for each player. So we can kind of get a gauge for what to expect in terms of floor and ceiling from these players. Now, with all that being said, we have a ton to get into today. If you enjoy at any point, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm now, fellas, I know I got the hat on. I'm not really a hat guy. I think I look goofy with hats, but the hair is just, it's a little, oh, man, is it rough today. Man, is it rough. I'm telling you guys, I've been grinding, okay? I don't have time to go get a haircut. I've been working on these Excel sheets. I've been working on the rookie comp process, the, the uh, you know, the prospect model, getting this outline done. We've been busy recently. We don't have time to get a haircut. We're out here. We're grinding. We're in grind mode, and that's completely fine with me, all right? It's March. It's rookie season. This is what it's all about. Now, as always, all the stuff we talk about today is housed on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I have all my prospect model stuff. I'm going to be doing a dynasty and rookie rankings update over the weekend where I'm actually going to be putting rookies side by side with the actual dynasty assets. So I'm going to have Bijan, you know, as like a top three running back, probably RB1. So we can kind of get a feel for what these players look like stacked up against other dynasty assets. Now, Brought this up in the intro. I have talked about the RS grades a ton, but our audience has gotten bigger since last offseason. I want to say we probably like tripled or quadrupled our sub count since I made this video last offseason. So there's a lot of you guys out there that are new. And I just sort of want to, you know, brush up on what my model is and how it works. Now, again, we're going to do this a little bit quicker. I keep talking about how we're going to do this quicker. Um, and we'll see how it goes here. And I don't want to bore you guys with another long-winded video, but my prospect models, I call them the RS grades. It's a pretty non-creative name for them. RS just stands for Ron Stewart and their grades for each player. The higher the grade, the better the player is going to be. Now, how it works with the wide receivers in general is we have a series of inputs that are based on production, that is based on film, and this is the exact breakdown of the model now tell me anybody out there that has prospect models going on tell me out tell me who else is out here giving you guys the exact inputs i'm giving you guys the exact inputs how strong they're even weighted in the model i'm giving that all to you guys just because i want to be as open and transparent as possible so we have as inputs production makes up 44 percent of the model film 41 percent age profile eight percent athleticism seven percent now let's just kind of go I want to say tier, but category by category and kind of explain what's going on here. So we have 44% of the model being made up by production. 
and I know that this seems pretty complicated, right? It's like experience adjusted, overexpected, and it's like all these random words. It's almost like a different language. Here's how I'll explain it, right? Those are production stats and experience adjusted just means freshman, sophomore, you know, year three, year four, year five, year six, whereas age adjusting means 18, 19, 20, 21. So you have a guy like, I think Calvin Ridley was like a 20 year old freshman and it doesn't ding him as much if you experience adjust. There's pros and cons to both. That's why I use both. Then we have a stat called yards per team pass attempt here. And it's really simple. It's literally receiving yards divided by pass attempts. And it's to measure dominance and efficiency. Then we also have receiving yard market share. Similar thing here. It's just the market share of the total receiving yards. And you'll see as well, there's peak and there's average, right? So average yards per team pass attempt and peak yards per team pass attempt just means your average during your entire college career versus also adding in your best season because we want players that have you know sustained dominance across all seasons but we also want to have really high highs just to kind of highlight the upside a player might have in the nfl now overexpected is where it gets tricky overexpected i have thresholds for every single year based on the average top 24 wide receiver for either experience or age and each season you know in yards per team pass attempt or yards uh receiving yard market share, you either go over or above those thresholds. And I just tally that up every single year and either spit out the average or spit out the peak, sometimes both. Now you'll also see on the bottom here, SRS 11%, uh, SOS 3%. SRS is called simple rating system. SOS is strength of schedule. They're essentially both just strength of schedule stats where SRS is how good is your team? SOS is how good are the player or the teams that you're playing against. And we just want to have some sort of input in the model so that being in a better conference matters. Now, it doesn't, it's not the entire thing, right? But we want, you know, our SEC guys and our, you know, Big Ten Power Five guys to be valued and get a little bit of a nudge forward over our, you know, Sky Moores, Corey Davises, Andy Isabellas. We don't just want to look at production on an equal playing field. That's our way of adjusting for competition. Now, the rest of the categories are pretty easy. Film makes up 41%. I call this film. I think some people wouldn't consider draft capital film, but it is a film grade to me. Good players get drafted highly. Teams, when they're doing evaluations, are mainly looking at film. A lot of these guys are going to, you know, the combine. They're hand-timing things. They're watching the film. They're staying up all night. They're writing things about players based on what they're doing from their college tape. And then we have Lansdier line grades. Now, this is about half the input that draft capital is. And Lance Zierlein has grades back to like 2014, 2013. He works over at NFL Network. And they're a really nice supplement to draft capital where he often hits on guys that the NFL misses on. And we'll cover that in a second. Uh, we also have age profile, which is just draft age and early declare status. Ideally, we want players that get to the NFL earlier because if you get to the NFL earlier, you're probably better. Uh, for the most part, the younger players do better than the older players. Then lastly, we have athleticism, which is a really small input, just 7%. Remember with wide receivers, we really don't want to overvalue athleticism. We've seen guys in the past like Stephen Hill. We've seen guys in the past like Kevin White, Rashad Perriman. You can just go down the list of names of guys who were freak athletes and did nothing in the NFL. Um, but it does matter. So 7% of the RS grades. Now, moving on from there, I take into account all of these categories, grade them all on a 10-point scale, and then it's pretty much like a GPA where I take them all on a 10-point scale you know, you'll have an A plus in history, an A minus in science, a B minus in math, and you get this all encompassing GPA. And that is essentially a player's 
RS grade. So for instance, right, if we take draft capital here, I want to show you guys one uh I want to show you guys one example here with draft capital where I found a wide receiver's average point per game in their first three seasons across every single round of the NFL draft. And that's what we're solving for. I like first three year points per game because when we're drafting players in rookie drafts, I think saying you're going to hold on to a player for longer than three years is probably being too aggressive. I think even holding on to a player longer than two years is probably aggressive. Like I, I would be curious to know what the average amount of time a dynasty player holds on to a, a player that used a rookie pick on. But regardless, first three year points per game is just a good metric that tells you, you know, are they producing early and are they sort of giving you a nice ROI on that draft pick? And then from there, right, we see 10.7 points per game, 8.2. And I just sort of give it a letter grade, right? A plus, A minus, B, C. And again, combine them all, spits out the RS grade. And this is what they mean. Now, I'm much more of a tier-oriented person than I am a rankings person. Like, even you guys that are coming here from redraft, if you've used my rankings, uh, you see it's just tier, tier, tier. My dynasty rankings, too, tier, tier, tier. I'm, again, a tier-oriented guy. I, I don't really like, you know, having a concrete, definitive answer, player A versus player B, because sometimes you're just splitting hairs. So the idea here is based on your RS grade, right, 10-plus and legendary, 8.44 is elite. I want to bunch guys into groups because if a player has a 9.99 RS grade versus like a 9.95, there's marginally no difference there. I, I don't want a model to tell me what order to rank wide receivers in. I just simply want them or, or I want this system to just point me in the direction of the groupings of the tiers. I think that it does it in a really nice way here. So we see legendary prospects are your, you know, Justin Jefferson's, Jamar Chase's, your Calvin Johnson's. They have a 10-plus RS grade. They hit 20, top 24 seasons 100% of the time. They average 16.4 points per game through their first three seasons, which is pretty crazy. I want to say 16.4. Probably a back-end wide receiver one. Then you have elite 8.44-plus. This is about 90% of those guys hit top 24 seasons. Gold is 6.72 RS grade or better, and that's about a 45% top 24 hit rate. Silver, 20%. Bronze, 4%. So each tier, you know, kind of goes down uh, – almost halves itself outside of legendary and elite and you sort of get it, these are sort of I guess you could say like Madden themed or you know you have legendary elite gold silver bronze and I think that's pretty easy for you guys to read now we take that we apply it to the players and I kind of just want to show you guys what this looks like on paper and this is the last three draft classes with these new RS grades when it comes to wide receiver and as you guys can see Jamar Chase is all the at 11.65 so he actually goes above the the 10 cap because he was such a great uh prospect coming out and that's kind of the whole point of these right we could we could look here and know yes Jamar Chase went top five but Corey Davis also went fifth overall so how do we kind of contextualize that prospects you know profile two previous years to sort of key us in on hey Jamar Chase is special he's not just one of these guys that goes top five just to go top five and I think that's really really valuable now this is how the last three draft classes shook out again tier over individual order, right? This has Elijah Moore uh, over Garrett Wilson. I don't think Elijah Moore was a better prospect than Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, but that's just how it is. Again, it's really just a tier thing. You're not going to get one of these lists from a prospect model and have an absolutely perfect list without overfitting in an egregious way. Uh, so even with the golds, right? We don't love Olave being in gold. And obviously we don't think that he's a worse prospect than like Rager was or Rondell Moore was, but it's just a tier thing. The model missed on Olave, but I like everyone that's in gold. I like everyone that's in legendary. 
I think all in all, it's very solid. Now this looks pretty, the charts look pretty, the explanation is pretty, but really prospect models, you know, whether it's me or another person that's making content, a model is really only useful uh, if it's beating out draft capital. So I always make sure I'm testing my model versus draft capital because if it wasn't beating out draft capital, I would just throw it away and do things the way that I've done them, you know, before last off season. Now, when we compare the two, we put them side by side. We look at uh, RS grades versus year one to three points per game. And we look at draft pick versus year one to three points per game for wide receivers. We see draft pick is really strong. It has a 0.326 R squared. The RS grades are better though with 0.475. Now, what is R squared? It is, to put simply, it's a, it's a number on a scale of zero to one, zero being no correlation, one being like perfect correlation, which is usually not to get too complicated, but that's just usually like the same data set would be one. Um, and it essentially is a, a, a grade on a scale from one, zero to one. How predictive is a metric of what you're trying to predict? So this is in this case, how predictive RS grades are of determining a player's points per game in the first three years. And then also how predictive is draft capital in predicting a player's points per game over the first three years. 0.475, pretty damn good. I'm happy with that. I think that it beats out last year's by like 0.2. So not like a ton, but I felt better about it. Now, that brings us to the next thing of what has changed here, right? What changed from this year to last year? And I'll admit, the wide receiver model is pretty much the same. The big thing that changed is I adjusted everything per game. Uh, minimum six games played in a season or else I throw it out. And then I use their... Uh, you know, their receiving yards market share only in the games that they played in their receiving yards for team pass attempt and only the games they played in. And that gives a nice boost to guys like Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, uh, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle. Cause if you remember Garrett Wilson, he like missed a game or two uh, in year two. So it actually throws off his stats a little bit where if we look here side by side, yeah, his year two is a little bit better when you use, or no, his year two isn't a little bit better. It's actually his year three. Or is it? I feel like I'm looking at this wrong. Let me make it a little bit bigger here real quick um, to make sure I'm reading it correctly. So left is full season, right is per game. Uh, I guess year three, he gets bumped up ever so slightly. Uh, Waddle gets bumped up a lot more in year one. Same thing with year three where uh, he played like the first four games with Devonta Smith and then left. So he gets uh, a nice little boost there. Drake London with the injury in year three. Debo Samuel had uh, an injury in year three that bumped him up there. Stephon Diggs had an injury in year two, I believe. It bumped him up there. So we don't want to ding players for not being on the field, and then that lowers their production numbers. Now, outside of that, nothing else has really changed, but I want to touch on the idea of multipliers because I don't think I really uh, have gone in depth on that before. So I figured that'd be a nice thing to talk about with the wide receiver model. And the idea is, is we have our base RS grades, right? But we want a couple of ways to give a wide receiver an out to sort of bump up a tier. And there's a couple of metrics that have sort of been able to supplement RS grades and make the R squared better by adding a multiplier. And the first one is Lance Zierlein. Now, I get a lot of heat for using Lance Zierlein's grades. It's universally accepted his running back grades are amazing. Wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, not as amazing. But for me, again, they're less of an input than draft capital. And then this is the most useful way I like to use Lance Zierlein grades, where if we look here... These are players that Lance Zealand had a first round grade on roughly uh, like 6.37 plus I've found to be his first grade uh, or first round grade, even though that's probably not his definition of it. When you look at it, 
clearly everyone's 6.37 and above is really, really good. So if there's a player that he has a first round grade on and they go to the second round or the third round or whatever and they slip out of the first round, then you should give, or not you should, but the model gives them a bump because usually Lance isn't wrong. Now, of course, you know, Parrish Campbell, Marquis Salee weren't great, but of these guys that were outside of the first round that had a first round grade, Metcalf got bumped up, Brown, Devontae Adams, Debo, Tyler Boyd, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, like those are all really good names to give you that boost. So that's something that I like to add in. And then also athleticism where we don't want wide receivers to get a big boost from athleticism uh, without the base grade, right? We don't want guys like I'm trying to think in years past of like, uh, you know, your Equinemius St. Browns, your Donovan Peoples-Jones, like you don't want to just have those guys get crazy boosts and care about athleticism. It's the least correlated to wide receivers in terms of it actually mattering, but it's a good way to kind of supplement those already strong profiles where we can see these guys all getting bumped up a tier is great, right? So these guys are already strong prospects. They already have the prerequisite RS grade, and then they get a boost for being athletic. All the way through this list, I don't think there's any guy on here outside of, I guess, John Baldwin that didn't really deserve to get a boost in the pre-draft process. Now, that is everything when it comes to the RS grades for wide receivers. Again, as always, if you want to look through, I have I literally have it housed on the on the Discord, which is the Patreon, where you can see every single wide receiver class, running back class, quarterback class, tight end class, all the way through 2007, the all-time top 50 list, like everything you could possibly imagine with these, it's on there. The 2023 grades are on there. And that comes with the rankings and everything. So moving on here, let's talk through my top five wide receivers for the 2023 class. We'll see the rookie comps, my RS grades, spin out for each wide receiver. And this is essentially just going to be me. It's not going to be super, super deep for every single one of these wide receivers or else I'd be here for 40 minutes probably going to be here for 40 minutes regardless, to be honest with you guys. Um, but I just kind of want to, right? I haven't really gotten to sit down and talk about each individual prospect in front of a camera yet, just because I've been doing stuff behind the scenes. So this is going to be kind of like my intro to 2023 rookie wide receivers 101, and then we'll get deeper as the season goes on. So our first wide receiver, my wide receiver one after the combine, these are my official rookie wide receiver ranks post combine. JSN. Jackson Smith Najigba out of Ohio State is my wide receiver one post-combine. Now, I want to say it's razor, razor, razor thin between him and my wide receiver two. It's going to come down to landing spot, draft capital, whatever. But I'll go with JSN for now. And I don't just want to present this chart without you guys sort of understanding what's going on here. So what I do for these comps, there's not a, a, a concrete system for them. But first, I... If so, JSN's elite, right? I take the legendaries, elites, and gold. So you can be comped to one tier above, one tier below. So you can kind of get a feel for the floor and the ceiling. And then I start tweaking with the height and the weight to try and get players who look similar. And then I have production, film, age profile, athleticism in my rookie comp area, which essentially just breaks up my model into, you know, those four pieces like we saw uh, earlier where, you know, production, film, age profile, athleticism, those are the four core inputs in my model. And we can kind of get a feel for players that had similar profiles, looked similar, and are a similar RS grade. And this is what it spits out. I think that he embodies this like new age wide receiver being like six foot plus, 195 pounds plus. You know, we've seen Jamar Chase dominate at that size. Justin Jefferson dominates at that size. Odell, I think, I think DJ Moore's a little bit too thick for that. But in the past, those guys would have been seen as a little bit too thin. 
Now I think that's kind of the meta at this point. And I think it's a good visual here that he is that build of a Jefferson, of an Odell, of a Chase. So that is kind of his upper range of outcomes. And before you say that JSN isn't as athletic, his RAS came as a 9.39. He looks the part in here. And then also I think a nice base expectation for him is just kind of however you felt about Garrett Wilson last year, you should feel pretty similar about JSN this year. I'll also say uh, the draft round and draft pick for JSN, 119. That's just projected draft capital, obviously. I don't know when he's going to get picked, but based on mock draft database, that's where he was when I filled this out. Then you have Chris Godwin on the bottom here. And I could have left him out, right? His B film grade is way under JSN's. But I think it's a good look at a player that he kind of looks like. Now, he isn't as heavy as Chris Godwin, but in terms of being a slot wide receiver, I've heard a lot of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Cooper Cup get thrown out there. I think Chris Godwin's kind of a nice sneaky comp in there as well. He also came from the Big Ten, similar play style, uh, also really athletic. So I like Chris Godwin as well as a nice comp. And as you guys can see, the floor is pretty high with JSN. And there's a lot to like here. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, he balled out next to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And that's what people are going to fix in on is that year two. Now, there's a lot of people out there. And this is where, you know, I am a Garrett Wilson guy. This is where I have to push back. I cannot trust enough. People go to the box score. They see 1,600 receiving yards, which, by the way, very impressive by JSN in year two. But he did not outproduce Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. That is not how that went down. I actually went back to the game logs to check um, the games where they were all active. I believe Olave missed a game. I believe Garrett Wilson missed a game. And in those games, uh, JSN had like 600 receiving yards combined. So if we look here, this is games where they all played together. And he didn't outproduce Garrett Wilson, right? Garrett Wilson had 70 for 1058 and 12. JSN had 65 for 1019 and 5. So I would say Garrett Wilson led this wide receiver room. You can say JSN outproduced Chris Olave, which is pretty, uh, which is pretty crazy. But you know, he also scored a, a bunch of touchdowns there. Regardless, I just want to say anyone out there that's saying that he outproduced them or was better than them in college is lying. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't amazing and at the very least on pace with these guys at Ohio State in year two. And knowing what we know now about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, that is very impressive. So that's a huge plus. Now, I had my concerns early on. JSN was like my wide receiver two, wide receiver three pre-combine. And that's because it's tough to get excited about someone that plays solely in the slot like he does. Like he has like 90% of his career uh, snaps out of the slot. And then also Lance Zierlein is not a big fan. And again, Lance Zierlein is a pretty big input in the model. And he has JSN at 6.29, which is a really bad group to be in. This is all first round wide receivers with a 6.36. Again, remember 6.37 plus is my first round grade. So this is second round grade and lower among wide receivers who are actually first round picks. And, you know, outside of your elite wide receivers like Cooks, DJ Moore, it's a really bad group to be in. You have Kadarius Toney, Rager, Nikhil Harry, Josh Doxson, Brashad Perriman, uh, Jahan Dotson, Phil Dorsett. I guess Jahan Dotson, the, the jury's still out, but it's not a great list to be a part of. Now, the thing that's exciting, Lance Zierlein went to the combine, saw what JSN did, saw him dominate the on-field drills, saw him dominate the agility drills. He's been on record on Twitter saying that he's going to bump up that grade, which means this red flag can probably be erased, but I just wanted to mention it for now. Now, when we talk about JSN, 
what changed for me, him going from wide receiver two, wide receiver three, is that he absolutely dominated the combine. One of his biggest issues is that he was like the slot only. I heard comps of Jarvis Landry, that he was going to come out here and not be super athletic, but be a technician. And that's fine. But ideally to have like that ceiling, we want somebody who is athletic. And he came out, didn't run a 40, but he came out and gave all-time agility numbers. He ran a 6.57 three-cone. He ran a 3.9320 20-yard shuttle. That is the 12th best three-cone time since 2007 and the fourth best 20-yard shuttle time since 2007 among wide receivers. That is elite change of direction for a wide receiver that plays solely out of the, or maybe not solely, but plays out of the slot. And I think agility drills matter the most for those guys, right? He's running routes in a phone booth and he's running whip routes and he's, you know, doing a ton in a small amount of space. That is very exciting because it's athleticism and it's not empty athleticism. It's athleticism that actually matters for his archetype. So he got a nice boost. He got the RAS boost. His RAS 9.39 is higher than OBJ. And that rockets him up to the top of the class. Now, he's actually in the running for legendary to be a legendary wide receiver prospect. All that has to happen is Lance either has to give him a round one grade or he goes in the top 10 of the NFL draft and he is legendary. Regardless, I'm a huge fan. Worth mentioning, we don't want him to, if he runs his 40 and bombs the 40 and his RAS comes down, that's a little bit of a problem. Regardless, huge fan. I think that he has a huge target share ceiling for PPR leagues as the slot guy. That's what we really want, uh, especially in a class like this where we have smaller wide receivers and then we also have like a big wide receiver that we're not sure can have like a 30% target share. So JSN for now, huge fan, huge target share ceiling. I think that his RS grade actually has a lot of room to improve as we get closer to draft day. Now, our next wide receiver here is the polarizing Quentin Johnston. Out of TCU, uh, early declare, and I would call Quentin Johnston right now my wide receiver 1B. Again, razor close between him and JSN for wide receiver one. Probably going to come down to landing spot, draft capital, all of that. And here are the comps my model spits out for him. He has a weird size uh, of like 6'3", 208 pounds. He's a little bit thin. Uh, but here's sort of what the model spits out. And I kind of like this range where I think Crabtree, Kenny Britt, Alshon Jeffrey is kind of spot on for what he looks like. I know that those guys are all like about like give or take five what, like five to eight pounds heavier than he is. But in the modern NFL, these guys are coming in thinner than ever. I also like the floor as like, I think Sidney Rice actually makes a lot of sense. I think that they are, yeah. So Sidney Rice is like six pounds lighter. Stephen Hill is eight pounds heavier, but those are guys who, I mean, Quentin Johnson would probably have to fall to the second to really be considered in that same area. But in case of things go wrong, then that's sort of the floor he's looking at. And I can honestly admit that Quentin Johnson has a little bit of a boom bust nature to his profile where things could go really wrong, where his best season in college was just a thousand receiving yards. All the film guys scream at the top of their lungs that he's a body catcher. So things could not work out. He could also be Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Britt, Michael Crabtree as just a nice perimeter wide receiver. That's a solid prospect. Or he could be, you know, an AJ Green, Sammy Watkins type and be a really, really dominant wide receiver in the NFL. And I think that he has that ceiling because of his athleticism his res right now is 9.67 but that is just based on the average of his five comps uh on ras he jumped a 40 inch vertical that put him in an elite range but if he goes out here on uh tcu's pro day runs like a four six that bumps him down and takes out your you know Watkins, jefferson aj green as upside ceiling cases so when we talk about quentin johnston there is a lot 
of pessimism. His biggest knock, I think, is that he wasn't this like all-time mega producer in college. He put up 60 receptions for 1,069 yards and six touchdowns in his final year, and that was his best year. And I get that that's like underwhelming, right? It's not like 1,600 yards on the Devonta Smith final season. But the issue is, is that we adjust these on a per-game basis, and we take into account the market share. We take into account the offense. We have to remember as well, TCU in his first year, Max Duggan was the quarterback the entire time. Max Duggan wasn't good until this year. They had just 1,963 passing yards in the Big 12, an air raid, you know, air the ball out conference, just 1,963 passing yards total in his first year. His second year, they were under 3,000 passing yards. And then his final year, they were finally good. So his raw stats across the board don't pop. But the minute he got on campus as a true freshman, he has led that team in receiving yards each and every single year, which I think is important. Now, we have our production inputs that we talked about earlier, right? The 44% production category has yards per team pass attempt, has market share of receiving yards, has age adjusted, experience adjusted. And this is what he looks like in all of the stats that my model cares about among legendary and elite prospects. And of course, he's not a mega producer. He doesn't come to the top of the page. But when we're looking at this is peak yards per team pass attempt over expected, average yards per team pass attempt over expected. Those are both experience adjusted. We have our experience adjusted average market share receiving yards over expected, and then our age adjusted market share receiving yards average over expectation. And again, he's not at the top, but if he was at the top, he would be this like all time Calvin Johnson level, Amari Cooper level receiver. But he isn't at the bottom. You know, he's not lacking. His peak is probably the only thing that's lacking here that's like a little bit whitish. Everything else is green. Across the board, he is, you know, in terms of peak, in terms of average, he is superseding the expectation. If he was below expectation, some of these numbers would be negative. He even has a good strength of schedule where his SRS and SOS are good because in his final year, they went on a national championship run. They beat number two Michigan. They were in the title game against Georgia. He played good teams this year. I don't really understand this like Big 12 thing. He didn't produce. We see here. He is smack dab in the middle of all of these really, really strong wide receiver prospects. He looks the part. He's not at the bottom. Now, when we go from there, again, people love to talk about the Big 12 stuff. He balled out against good teams this year. He had six for 163 and a touchdown against number two ranked Michigan in the most important game of his life in the semifinals of the national championship. Four for 139 against 13th Kansas State. Eight for 180 and a touchdown versus eighth Oklahoma State, 14 for 206 and 1 versus 19th ranked Kansas. He showed up in big games against ranked opponents time and time again, and he puts massive, massive, you know, game logs out there where four catches can get him to 140 yards. I think that he had a career like 19 yards per reception average. He makes big plays. He's a great yard out to catch guy while also having a high A dot. There's a lot of ceiling to this profile. And again, I don't buy the Big 12 stuff with Quentin Johnston. I don't mean to rant here. But putting him in the same bucket as like your Josh Doxons and like all of these guys, I think it's just plain wrong. I think it's just plain wrong. This is every wide receiver in my database drafted from the Big 12 sorted by RS grade. Yes, there are some nightmares, right? Jalen Rager's a nightmare. Kendall Wright's a nightmare. Corey Coleman, Kevin White, Josh Doxon, Tavon Austin. But when you see here, the numbers show that he is in that elite echelon next to Des Bryant, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, Michael Crabtree. He was an early declare. Guys who weren't an early declare on this list, Kendall Wright and Down were not early declares. Kendall Wright, Corey Coleman, Kevin White, Josh Doxson, Tavon Austin. So he's coming out of school early. His production, 
all of his stats match up better with elite and legendary type wide receivers. All of the nightmare scenarios, people are saying, you know, he's going to be Jalen Rager. He's going to be the next Big 12 wide receiver bust. They all didn't have the strongest profiles out there. So for me, again, wide receiver 1B in this class for now. He has a chance to be a legendary wide receiver if, if he runs a good 40 and keeps up his like 9 plus RAS score. Uh, I think he could get the legendary as well if he goes top 10 in the NFL draft. So a lot to be excited for with this top two. I think they're probably the only two that have a chance to get bumped up to legendary. Now, after that, we have our wide receiver three, Jordan Addison. And there's a pretty sizable tier breakdown to Jordan Addison for me. Uh, it's tough to find comps for him. He is uh, 5'11", 171 pounds. So we're getting a very svelte wide receiver. And that puts him in a range of guys that, I mean, it's tough to come him to Calvin Ridley, right? He has like, what, 18 pounds on him. Uh, but this is kind of a decent range here where he is this small, svelte, route-running wide receiver like your Garrett Wilsons, your Calvin Ridley, Marquise Brown, Devonta Smith. It's worth noting that he has the lowest RS grade of that bunch. And sadly, like Jahan Dotson is kind of a, a like decent comp for him as well from a size perspective. Um, I get the pessimism. It's a red flag. It dings him for me down to wide receiver three, but we talked about it on Monday's video. If the size and the 40 and the athleticism doesn't keep him out of the first round of the NFL draft, I'm not going to like, like how much further can you put him after wide receiver three? I'm not putting him behind downs high. I'm not putting him down. I know that like the Zay flowers truthers love him so much. I'm not putting Addison behind him. I think he can separate well. Again, I don't watch film, but his like yards per out run versus man coverage grades or uh, stats are elite across the board. Three yards per out run uh, against man coverage as a freshman, 3.9 as a sophomore, 4.4 as a junior. Those are disgusting yards per out run stats. Like you rarely see in the NFL like a three yards per out run plus type season. Like, I think Cooper Cup had that two years ago, uh, but it's usually like high twos in the NFL. So he is an absolute monster in one-on-one -on -one coverage. I'll say... Uh, we're probably going to talk, say this about a lot of the rest of these wide receivers after the big two. I don't think any of these guys have a clear like 20 point per game, like top five to 10 wide receiver in dynasty type ceiling. But, you know, I, I just don't think we have that access after the top two. For me, I would say Addison, you know, early declare, solid producer, lock to go round one. He's an archetype we've seen be solid already. I'm fine with what he is as a wide receiver in this class really the only concern is like can he beat press but we've seen that uh narrative with like devonta smith and it wasn't an issue i'm not saying that he's as good as devonta smith but he is probably as good uh or you know slightly less good as a technician and maybe that is going to be just good enough for him now our fourth wide receiver is josh downs and surprisingly we have our fourth elite wide receiver prospect in this class so to anybody out there saying that this is a weak wide receiver class i've been seeing a lot of that i think we have two guys at the top who have massive ceilings and i think we have a lot of really solid bets to make after that and this list isn't all that sexy for an elite wide receiver but i also don't want you guys to see elite on josh downs and like go head over heels for him he is i want to say five nine 171 pounds again the height here like ht is height and that's in inches i probably should have said that earlier bmi is of course bmi uh wt is weight so he is as well a tiny wide receiver but he's at least a bit more compact uh than jordan addison i think 
Elijah Moore and Marquise Brown are spot-on comps. I think if things don't work out for Josh Downs, I think Rondale Moore, KJ Hamler, uh, I guess Wondell Robinson, it's too early to tell with him. But I think those are also decent, like, round two, undersized guy type of comps for him. Now, again, him being elite doesn't mean we're just going to jump him to the top, draft him in the middle of the first round of rookie drafts. That's not how it works, but this is somebody that should be a huge target for us wherever his ADP settles. Now, the reason that he's elite is he actually got the Lanzier line boost. He is one of those guys that has a round one grade from Lanzier line that is projected to go round two. So he gets that bump, right? I think that he'd probably be elite with first round draft capital. So it's just a way of kind of giving you that safety net. Uh, now, 5'9", 171 pounds. We keep saying that. It's tough. It's kind of a carbon copy of Elijah Moore. Like Elijah Moore has seven pounds on him. But I think that he kind of looks like Elijah Moore in a good way. And that would be my comp for him. You know, elite land zero line grade, early declare, undersized, but should be like a nice wide receiver two type in the NFL. If we look at Josh Downs' production, he looks the part. Uh, really, really solid second year in receiving yards per team pass attempt. Even ahead of JSN, Addison, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, I even put on this list just to show. Uh, his year three is just absolutely bonkers. But Downs, fine year one, fine year three, really nice peak season in year two. Uh, you know, fine baseline of being a producer, second round pick. Lance Z likes him. He's an early declare. He should be, just like the, the guys we just mentioned, a nice wide receiver two type that is going to be, you know, sort of like a, a Robin to somebody's Batman in an NFL offense, but probably a fine bet to give us wide receiver two production at some point. Then our final wide receiver here is going to be our wide receiver five, Jalen Hyatt. And we have yet another elite wide receiver prospect. That is giving us five elite wide receiver prospects. Now, as always, it's March. A lot can change. Lane Zeland's going to adjust his grades. That could bring people down. Hyatt could, you know, go to the second round and that could bump him out of things. A lot of stuff can happen, but for now, things are looking pretty good. I think Jalen Hyatt, like, I think my model actually likes him more than I do. Um, he's, again, another undersized wide receiver, six foot, 176 pounds. We're talking, like, very thin, very svelte, uh, great RAS with a 9.46. He's explosive. He's fast. I think, to me, the elite comps aren't great. Like, Percy Harvin and Waddle, I don't think really tell that story because Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin and Waddle were so damn dynamic as, like, guys you could give handoffs to. Like, I know Waddle didn't take a ton of handoffs, but, like, Waddle is a punt returner. I don't know that Jalen Hyatt is that same type. Like, he is more of a straight line. Like, I think Will Fuller, Jamison Williams, Ted Ginn, Henry Ruggs, Deshaun Jackson, I think the gold comps are actually better for Jalen Hyatt. Like, for me, the way that I'll be viewing Jalen Hyatt is, like, a very low, low, low-end gold, like, high-end uh, or low-end elite, high-end gold. Uh, again, weird archetype, kind of a one-trick pony archetype. You're not really going to get like a 30% target share, like 20 points per game from Jalen Hyatt, but you're going to get really, really nice spike weeks. And he is going to be someone that has potential to maybe build on top of that. So I like the Will Fuller comp. I like the Jameson Williams comp. This is a guy who had six catches, 207 yards and five touchdowns versus Alabama this year. And we talked earlier, or no, I don't think I talked about it earlier, but I use the overexpected stats as a supplement for, or a substitute for, Breakout age. I think breakout age is one of the more underrated or overrated stats in the industry right now, uh, where we used to absolutely love it. It's why we love Nikhil Harry. It's why we love Jalen Rager. Oh, these guys produced at age 18. Throw everything else that happened out the window. That's all we care about. Now, my thresholds in year one, if you go way above those, that is going to help out your profile, but it's also evenly weighted to your year two, your year three, your year four. So the entire picture matters. And Jalen Hyatt didn't do anything in year one. He didn't do anything in year two, but he absolutely balled in the SEC. He had 67 catches, 
1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns in the SEC. I believe he won the Blitnikoff. I could be wrong. So it's not like he balled out in his final year as a senior and just like like Kevin White, where he just like dominated bad competition. He's an early declare. So his year one, his year two weren't great, but his year three was amazing. A huge spike season in the SEC. And then he's also being an early declare. NFL draft circles has him as a, has him as a first rounder. That's a really, really nice, you know, vote of confidence on his profile. He's also a lock to go first round as of right now. Lance Zierlein has a first round grade on him. A lot of positives here. So to sort of put a bow on Jalen Hyatt, the model likes him. I know it says elite. I know it has him at the top of this list. I wouldn't treat him like that. I would treat him a lot like Jamison Williams last year. Uh, you know, boom bust profile, first round, exciting type guy. Will Fuller as well, I think is a really good comp. Uh, but I would have him in a tier behind the big two, Addison, and I'd have him in downs in that same tier uh, behind those three. Now, that is going to do it for us today. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope that that wasn't uh, too much of a drag to watch. I want to do uh, running backs tomorrow, tight ends after that, quarterbacks after that. I'll put timestamps here so you guys can kind of like skip through. I don't want everyone to have to sit through me talk about what the model or how the model works. And I'll try and quicken up the explanation as we go this week because I do want to sort of introduce you guys to each positions prospect model, what's the kind of the differences, how everything works. Because again, I just want to be really transparent with you guys. So it's not just like some like Wizard of Oz, like magic, you know, spreadsheet that I can just like whip out and I can just like, you know, this supports my argument. Here's the spreadsheets. You're just gonna have to accept that. I want to sort of explain where I'm coming from, uh, why I like these players, what the spreadsheets tell us, um, and then also sort of a, have a little bit of nuance there. Now, as always, if you enjoyed, leave a like, subscribe. It helps the boy out a ton right now. Sort of trying to revive the channel a little bit, you know, give a little spark club into the spark plug into the algorithm. So if you would be so kind, make sure you like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And as always, I feel like I said that nine times in the videos, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, where you can find all of the RS grades for this class. I have literally every wide receiver, running back, quarterback, tight end that attended the combine. You can see their RS grades on there. My rookie rankings, my dynasty rankings will be official as of this weekend. A lot of really cool stuff planned for the Patreon. So make sure you check that out. It'll be down below in the comments, down below in the description. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today. And I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Tenno, Chatham's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.